Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show. The place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. It's finally here. We've hit that downtime between the initial free agency buzz and the NFL draft. But alas, it's still an important week for our Bears and the NFL as a whole, really, as the owner owner meetings took place down in Orlando. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I'm joined by my two Bears brothers, Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano. B, I just want to say that I'm glad that you're here and you're alive and well, because last weekend you went to a wild game dinner the other night, and honestly, I was unsure if you were going to survive, but it seems like you did, yes? Yeah, I survived. Had some uh, pretty exotic things, but nothing out of the ordinary, at least for me anyway. For other people, it might be, but... Nothing out of the ordinary. Okay, you have to admit, did you try possum? I need to know. <laughs> I did not. It was kind of gone before, like... So they have this buffet of like possum and raccoon and other like weird alligator things, whatever, you know, wild game stuff. And by the time I got there, because people take their first plate and just mound it up like a huge mountain on top of this plate. And by the time I get there, it's like all gone. OK, I had to know so, because you you mentioned possum and I didn't eat for like three days afterwards because I was just so <laughs> grossed out by even thinking about someone eating possum or raccoon. Did you try raccoon? I did not. Thank God. I didn't okay. get there in time for all the weird things at the buffet, but I had bison and venison and other things like that. So. And that's fine. I can live with bison, <laughs> venison, and all that. All right, and I want to switch it over to Nick because he is fresh off concussion protocol, and our viewers are probably wondering, what's with the stitches over your left eye? What's the story there, amigo? Yeah, so that happened on Monday. I went, uh, came back from a Dallas trip, and my Monday was just honestly awful. I mean, I thought I was going to die on a plane. Uh, there was turbulence. And with it was like within the first hour of the ride, I out of nowhere, there's a big bump. I'm like, what is going on here? So we get off of the plane um, later that day. I go play basketball with a bunch of coworkers and there was a loose ball. It, it was a good enough uh, ahead of me to where I can get a full head of steam, but also like two other people did. So we're all going for this ball. I jump in the air and one of my coworkers didn't mean to kind of this takes my legs from underneath me. I go sideways head just lands right on the hardwood floor. I'm laying there in pain because the, the initial hit actually hurt, but I didn't know it was bleeding. And so I kind of turned over and all my coworkers are like, 
oh god someone get a towel lots and lots of towels we had a bunch of white towels they were red once uh they all got done like cleaning me up and then i ended up getting eight stitches later at the little clinic there you go and your dad and your brother are doing okay too your monday was hellacious it was. And then uh, earlier that day, my dad and my brother were coming back home from the gym and some guy blows a stop sign, hits them. They were fine. Um, it was my brother's airbag actually deployed and that, you know, really saved him. But they, they're all good now. But yeah. And now before that happened, I went to the gym, spilled my pre-workout all over, all over me. So my Monday was not one that I kind of I don't want to remember this Monday. It was awful. Yeah, it sounds like it was. It seems like a serious case of the Mondays. I'm glad we're now at Wednesday uh, during the time of this recording. Everything is doing better for you. But yeah, uh, glad to see that you're okay. You know, you went for a full head of steam and now you have a full head of stitches. So (laughs) (laughs) it all works out. So for our listeners, I want to give you a rundown of the show. That way you know what to expect. We're going to begin with a discussion of our top takeaways from what Coach Nagy and Ryan Pace said at the NFL owners meeting. Then we're going to talk about all the re-signings that took place over the last week. Afterward, we're going to go tell you if we're a fan of the orange jerseys coming back or not. And then we're going to turn our attention to the entire NFC North and briefly catch up on the division. And we're going to end the show today by sharing our personal top three for the Bears number eight pick as it stands right now a month away from the draft, as well as our current approval ratings for Ryan Pace. So guys, lots to get to. Ready to get started? Let's do it. Let's do it. Awesome. So on Tuesday, Matt Nagy spoke with the media a little bit about what to expect with his new offense, as well as some other topics. And by a little bit, I mean that dude, he talked for about an hour. And trust me, it's a must listen. Luckily, we're here to share our takeaways just in case you missed it. I'm going to go ahead and defer and open up the floor to you guys first. I want to know what was your biggest takeaway from what Coach Nagy said and what caught your attention? And Nick, since you're beaten and battered, I'm going to go ahead and let you begin. Yeah, so um, I think the big thing for me is just kind of learning who is going to play what in this offense? Uh, Nagy, you know, told the people and the, the reporters, they're like, okay, Burton's going to be this U tight end. And now Taylor Gabriel is the zebra receiver, not the Z, the zebra. So there's a bunch of different, like, uh, different uh, roles that now these guys, these new guys, Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, Taylor Gabriel are going to play. And I just kind of liked how he went in depth about it, told the reporters what exactly these guys uh, responsibilities are going to be like uh, for Taylor Gabriel. I have some notes down here. The zebra uh, and the Z receiver, like I said, are not the same, but the zebra will play in the slot. will move around a lot. Like the Z receiver will be on the ball, off the ball will be put in motion, but normally will play in the slot. So it kind of just lets you know, and expecting, you know, in this 2018 season where Taylor Gabriel is going to fit in this offense. And then with Trey Burton being that U tight end, they see him playing obviously uh, a big role like Travis Kelsey did when, uh, you know, Nagy was there in Kansas City. And then Adam Shaheen's role, he's going to play the Y and the U tight end. A little bit of a mixture of both and Deion Sims playing the Y. Um, it's, it's a lot of little technical things, but I think for like me personally, knowing that what these players are going to play in 2018, it just kind of lets me know, has me prepared moving forward. Yeah, and just to really quickly clarify the difference between the Y and the U is the Y is that more inline tight end that his primarily duties are to block where the U is that receiver slash tight end, right? Did I get that correct? It's a little confusing sometimes. No, yeah, that's exactly what it is. You'll see uh, like a Deion Sims going to play that Y. He's there to block. I mean, that's that's what his primary role is. He's getting paid a little bit too much to do that, in my opinion, but that's what his (laughs) primary role would be as Burton, who's being paid money to go catch the ball, is that U tight end is going to go out, be that receiver slash uh receiving tight end exactly and you never you never know you'll see him in the backfield too sometimes it's just a creative cutting edge offense we're about to see here in chicago but brandon over to you top takeaway uh well first of all i just kind of want to piggyback off of nick's point there i thought it was cool that like 
we had a coach that opened up about his playbook a little bit. I don't. I think John Fox would have deferred that, and that would have been a bit of a fifteen minute discussion compared to Matt Nagy's hour, which was pretty cool. True. Uh, but I, I think it's cool that he wants uh, wants his players to know the significance of putting on a Bears uniform, that they are an original team, and he wants them to know the, why they're playing in the Hall of Fame game in the preseason. You know, he, they deserve it because Brian Erlacher's there, but he wants them to know the history and how much it means to put on that C on the helmet. And I think that's a good place to start. Like he says, he's not going to go and meet the players individually one-on-one, uh, but he wants all these guys to collectively know what it means to put on a Bears uniform uh, the the weight that goes on their shoulders when they put it on. So I, I just think that's very important. And then with that, they can go have fun. Like you talked about, it's a lot more uh, enjoyable to watch and coach when they're all out there having fun, uh, things of that nature. So I thought that was an interesting takeaway that we haven't heard yet. No, I agree. And the quote that it is uh, that he had from it, because I jotted that down too, he says, you know, one of the messages to start well, with the players, I want them to understand uh, what the, the, about the team that they're playing for, the tradition, the history. When they step into Hallis Hall, how, how under, like, to understand just how fortunate they are. And I think this is huge. I really do. It's a great mentality. You know, connect the old with the new. Uh, get these men excited to be a part of such a special franchise. And when you do that, players tend to, you know, play just a little bit harder. And Brandon, I was a little sidetracked there when you were talking. Is your dad behind you doing some yard work? I thought you were going to get murdered for about 10 seconds. Uh, you know, he probably is. Okay. Yes, okay. Okay. I want to make sure. I was like, dude, you have someone out your window. I was freaking out for you. But um, all right. So for me, uh, something that I got taken away from Coach Nagy is also that aggressiveness that he plans to instill in both the offense and the team. He mentioned they're going to be attacking defenses downfield. They're going to be taking those calculated risks. And he wants this offense to be, quote unquote, cutting edge. It's just music to my ears, really, when I hear that. You know, hear our coach talk about these things as he wants the opposing defenses to be on its toes, not the other way around. Last year, too many times we heard, oh, we the dictate the defense dictates what we're going to do on the field, where no, it should be the other way around, where what you do on offense should dictate what the defense does. You want them to react to you, not the other way around, because if so, you're kind of feeding out of their hand a little bit. So again, it's just light and day compared to the previous tenor. You know, it fires me up. And just hearing him speak about the aggressiveness that he wants to instill in this franchise, you know, it gets me juiced. And then by all means, just to kind of imagine if this is how excited I get, I'm sure you're excited too when you heard that. Uh, just imagine what kind of energy, the new life that he's going to breathe into this team. It's really exciting uh, just to have this new perspective and this new you know, mindset within the halls of, well, Hallis Hall. And Nick, I want to go back to you. Anything else you want to mention about Coach Nagy? Yeah, I mean, I think a big thing is that he's really um, confident or like he he cannot wait to get work with Kevin White. And I think that's a big thing for Bears fans, obviously being that first round pick in 2015. You want to see what he can do. He's going to try and put him in positions to succeed. I, I mean, I think he, he said that uh, wouldn't it be cool? I think you said, wouldn't it be cool to see him become a dominant player? I mean, that would be great for uh, as Bears fans for himself because he's put a lot of work into each offseason to be, prepare himself for the season. It just hasn't equated to him being able to play. So uh, he's really up for the challenge and wants to put Kevin White in position to succeed. Hopefully that just plays dividends, you know, in 2018. I think this is an offense that if you put Kevin White in the right position, he's going to, he has the, he has, all the capability, all the all the talent to be able to be a good player just needs needs to stay healthy. 
Right. Kevin White, full of capability, not a lot of durability. And that's been his issue since he's been here in Chicago. But yeah, it's huge, right? This glass half full approach. And again, giving him opportunities. I love that. It's a great approach because, you know, some coaches would come into a team, see a guy like Kevin White, just call him a bust and move on. But Nagy sees the person. He sees the work that Kevin White's put in to recover from injury after injury. He sees that White has that grit that it takes to overcome. And he hopes to be the guy to help him put it all together. You know, that's what football is is all about. And Nick, I want you to go ahead and chime in. You want to talk about Allen Robinson, what he said on 670 score a minute ago? Yeah. So Allen Robinson was just on 670 score, maybe a, uh, a couple minutes ago now. And uh, he just talked briefly with uh, Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, and Jim Miller. And I think things, uh, some that Bears fans want to hear is that on his injury, um, you know, tearing that ACL, but he's on full go with sprints getting into the plows right now, and he's moving pretty well. He said the recovery's going very well, and uh, he's just adjusting to now being in Chicago, loves all the places he's going to eat at, or he's been eating at. I don't know if he's tried deep dish pizza yet. I know that's a big thing you got to have when you're in Chicago, but he's just excited to be here. He says the recovery is going well, so just wanted to relay that information to you know everyone listening. Yeah, exactly. Awesome stuff there, Nick. And let's go ahead and just kind of switch over to Ryan Pace because he also got to speak with the media just a little bit and a few different platforms, you know, both in front of the Bears media and earlier today on Good Morning Football. And Brandon, I'm going to go to you first. Anything on Pace? Uh, yeah, he wasn't surprised. Uh, speaking of wide receivers and injuries, uh, Cam Meredith, he wasn't surprised that he's getting looks from other teams. Uh, and he said he's excited to see Kevin White uh, just to kind of make a nice, smooth transition there. Uh, there you go. Excited to see that Kevin White comes in healthy, and I I wasn't sure if that was just kind of a PR statement. But then, you know, Nagy kind of said it before, so it's like, okay, everyone's taking this glass half-full approach, so I should too. So I don't necessarily – I'm going to step away from it's just a PR statement, but that was my initial reaction to that. Yeah, well, I mean, just think about that, right? How would Ryan Pace not want his first ever draft pick to end up being right. a bust, someone who can't be the difference maker here in Chicago, even though it's now taken you know over three years? I mean, I know he wanted that to happen his very first season here, yeah. but it's still a time a player who can break out, make himself a nice NFL career. And if he can become one of those difference making receivers in the NFL, that just changes the whole landscape of Ryan Pace's first draft when you think about it. It really does. And I think he wants the world out of Kevin. He still believes in him. And of course, you know, I think Coach Nagy said, we're not going to make any promises about Kevin White, but we're going to give him the opportunities to succeed. And on another, you know, Bears player, I want to switch over to Kyle Fuller. You know, he mentioned that he doesn't really feel like the team overpaid for Fuller. And there's a lot of quote unquote internal excitement about the trajectory that he is on here in Chicago. So a lot to like from Ryan Pace, but Nick, I want you to go ahead chime in. You know, I'm just going to mention uh, briefly what he said on the good morning football. I think it was today or yesterday, just the excitement that is resonating from Chicago, just with all the acquisitions from head coach to, you know, the free agents and just how the team is moving forward. It's there and not just the bears and Chicago media is recognizing it. This is a global kind of thing, national stage now to where people are recognizing, seeing that the bears can be a formidable team this year, not just from, you know, a couple years down the road where it's going to take a little while. No, Neg Neggy's here and teams have shown in the past that you can make a big adjustment in year one from just getting a new head coach. And I think now that is gone to the national media and now people are recognizing the Bears can definitely become a, a good team. And, you know, Pace was just reiterating that and like uh, saying to Bears fans, you know, we're excited. You guys should be excited. Everyone should be excited about the Bears in 2018.
And that's exactly what he told us at the combine about almost a month ago now, which time's just flying by. But yeah, it's something that he's already mentioned to us a few times. Excitement. It's a word that we've talked about all off season long, but the reason we have is because it's true for a long time. We've really had to dig deep for reasons to be excited, dig deep to find reasons to really give a damn about this team. And we've done it. It's been hard doing this podcast for three years under the John Fox era, but we're finally at a point where there's again, a, you know, a breath of fresh air we can be excited and that's what you know of course gets me fired up to not just see what this bears team can do but also covering this team every step along the way here on this podcast it's gonna be so much more fun incrementally more fun than it has been in the past um something i want to mention is about aaron lynch because he pretty much confirmed everything we talked about last week he said that he mentioned uh, just how comfortable that lynch is with vic fangio how well vic knows finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Him and that the one year deal is kind of like a deal to make him motivated. Ryan Pace is known to do that take one year deals on guys, get the most out of them. And if they perform well and they show that you want to be here in Chicago, he'll reward them with a longer, more lucrative contract. Um, but yeah, I think, of course, Pace mentioned he saw what. Lynch and Fangio were able to do in the past, and he hopes that Fangio can be that guy to unleash that potential yet again. Again, everything we've mentioned last week, but Ryan Pace had it uh, today or yesterday, and I just want to kind of reiterate that fact. And Brandon, uh, over to you. Anything else on Pace? Yeah, one thing that uh, he talked about briefly was the offensive line. He was asked about how they're going to fill the left guard position. He said he's happy with in-house uh, players that they have for that position. Hronis uh, Grasso can play center, move white hair over to left guard. Uh, Eric Cush was a guy he brought up, and I'm glad that he's happy, but I hope he's not content because if there's a chance to upgrade, I really hope that he takes advantage of it. Yeah, well, he also kind of mentioned in the same kind of sentence that he's noticing or the team's noticing, and I think everyone around the league has as well, that the offensive line market, just how valuable it's becoming in free agency, just how expensive yeah. some of these guys can be. So when he, he kind of bring those two together, you know, that he's happy with his in-house linemen, but he also kind of understands how much you can overpay for alignment uh, via free agency. Right. To me, that just sounds like a long-witted answer saying like, yeah, I'm pretty content with what we have, but I'm probably going to draft someone else too because I can get the most <laughs> value out of a kid coming up in the draft instead of paying someone in free agency. Nick, did you kind of feel the same way there? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously there are players on the, on this current Bears roster where you could fill at left guard or switching guys around. Uh, I'm not really a fan of switching, like, maybe white hair again. Keep him where he wants to be at center and then, you know, build around that. But, yeah, I do really expect the Bears to draft a, a guard at some point. Don't know if that's with number eight, but we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get there for sure. Anything else you want to mention about Pace, Nick, before I let you go? Well, no, Nick, let's you know get, let's, yeah, I'm just going to exit out of the show right here. No, but uh, we can we can move on. Awesome. I have one more real quick about Marcus Cooper. We're going to talk about him again in a little bit when we talk about the Bears that were re-signed. But I was just interested by the fact that he talked about, you know, he believes that Cooper can be a different, not maybe a difference maker, but a solid player. Um, once he gets more comfortable in this defense, he thinks he's someone who can play. Um, but he also mentioned that they're going to come into 2018 with Marcus Cooper. He's going to have a clean slate, and they're, they're really not going to hold anything he did last year against him. To me, that's a bold move. It really is. But we'll talk about a little bit more about Marcus Cooper and why you know, maybe this isn't the worst thing, uh, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But first, we need to take a quick timeout, and I need to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. 
Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, all the Bears brothers have the SeatGeek apps on our phone. It's by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets. We can be anywhere and with just a few taps, instantly find some seats. I actually just use SeatGeek to look at some tickets for, of course, the White Sox and Cubs opening days, which is right around the corner. And of on top of that, I know people who listen live not only around the world, but also around the country. So every major league team, of course, is having opening day coming up. But the Cubs, their first two series at home is going to be against the Pirates and Braves. The Sox, they have the Tigers and Rays. And I just want to say that when I checked them, just so many amazing deals left. You can go see a baseball game for like under $10, which again is a great deal if you want to go watch and root on the Cubbies or if you're a South Sider, go root on the Sox. Uh, so whatever your preference may be, SeatGeek has the prices uh, definitely um, put a smile on your face because they definitely didn't mind when I checked that out. Because SeatGeek, they're designed to make your ticket buying experience easier to, than ever. SeatGeek saves you the time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And the best part of all is that our listeners get $20 off that first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All righty, you're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. I'm joined by my two Bears brothers, Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano, and we are now switching our focus to the Bears that have been re-signed to contract since the last time we spoke with you. And just to quickly recap, they are John Timu, Sherrick McManus, uh, Daniel Brown, Pat O'Donnell, Patrick Scales, and Marcus Cooper. And guys, uh, probably uh, easy question, complicated answer. Out of all these, what's the one player that you're the most happy to have back in the shy? And Brandon, I want to go to you first. Hmm. I think Pat O'Donnell, uh, oddly enough. Uh, I didn't know that it was going to be such an issue for him to bring him back. It seemed like uh, we were all kind of talking in our group chat uh, some point around him uh, coming back. We were like, there's, you know, they may not bring him back. Are they trying in other punters? Like, what's going on there? So I'm kind of happy to see him back. And plus, he was the best passer in the league last year. So you got to bring him back. 158.3 <laughs> passer rating for Patrick O'Donnell in 2017. Don't forget it. It's going to be a trivia question one day. So we're here. We're helping you out. But how about you, Nick? I'm going to have to go with Sheriff McManus. This is a guy who he's just a great uh, locker room guy, great teammate, uh, great on special teams. Um, you know, at 30 years old, he's one of the older guys on this team. But I'm glad they kept him because, uh, again, he was a captain for for the Bears and a guy that you just need on your team. He's not going to be a, a contributor like if he's a, in the nickel or at, actually a cornerback, not a huge contributor, but he does help on, on the special teams aspect. So I'm glad they kept McManus. Yeah, McManus is mine as well. You know, he's that special teams ace. You hit it, you know, pretty much on the head. I forget the exact weeks last year when he went down for an injury, but don't you remember as soon as he went out, the coverage units fell apart. No one knew what they were doing. So, you know, McManus is... Uh, just leadership on the field, how he can coach his guys up. He's pretty much like a second coach out there for the special teams. He's definitely going to help out uh, coordinator Chris Tabor. But no, he's a special teams ace. He's a leader out there. Personally, I want him to retire Bears. So I'm glad he stayed. And Nick, you talked about him not being a difference maker too much on defense. Don't forget a bit about that McManus blitz package. All right. This, it's underrated. <laughs> That's what oh, it yeah. is. I just hope he's not uh, that blitz package doesn't come out very much because that would mean he's on the field and someone's injured. So hopefully that just doesn't he's good when it happens i just don't want it to be a frequent thing 
Sure. I mean, of course, I totally understand. And on top of that, if he just comes in there for that blitz package, offenses are going to kind of know what to expect every time number 27 steps foot on the field. But guys, I want to give you the, well, we share the converse here. I want to know who's the player that maybe you're least excited, the one that you thought they should have moved on from. Nick, right back to you. Oh, it's got to be Marcus Cooper. I just, I mean, that's an easy one for me. I literally, my first bullet point is why. And I, there's that gift that uh, everyone uses. But uh, the thing is, when he got on the field, he just didn't know what he was doing. And I, I, I know Pace said, you know, he gets another year to learn this defense. Well, Prince of Mukamura had to make the same exact adjustment as Marcus Cooper did, both coming to the new team, being their first year. And Mukamura was able to do that way better than Cooper was. And we all know the infamous play against the Steelers. So that confidence dipped, I mean, right then and there. But Cooper is a guy, let's say someone does get injured. He is going to be the guy that's probably going to be most likely to step up and be on the field. Are we going to see the exact same Cooper we saw a season ago? Hopefully not. Usually players do improve in year two against Vic Fangio. But still, Cooper, for me, left a bad taste in my mouth after what he just did last season and that obviously that play I just mentioned. So Cooper's a guy where I'm just, you know, shaking my head like, why is he here? Yeah, like I said in the group chat, right? I was surprised he actually signed a contract. I thought he would have stopped at Marcus Coop, you know, just stopping just short. <laughs> he should have, you know, he would have had it in his hand, but he just kind of, you know, dropped the ball a little bit and gave up on the play. But no, Marcus Cooper, for me, is the least favorite, but I, I looking at snap counts, it's really amazing that he came back because he played more snaps in week one than he did weeks five through 17 combined. Just mm -hmm. to show you how much he fell out of favor uh, with the Bears, out of Vic Fangio and all that. But Brandon, my question for you is, does Fangio know something we don't? I mean, I know he works with Cooper on a more regular basis. And I talked about this on Twitter where, you know, Fangio, someone telling Ryan Pace, like, yeah, you can bring Cooper back. I'm fine with that. So if Fangio is OK with it, should we as fans be OK with it as well? Uh. Well, I'm going to say no, because he was also my <laughs> least favorite, because we all said all the Marcuses, uh, Wheaton and Cooper, should uh, find a different team to play on. Um, but he must know something, uh, and Ryan Pace kind of backed that up a little bit, I think. I'm not sure they totally believed it, but when he was talking in the press conference today, he was saying, you know, oh, he's a, a long, lengthy guy who, quote-unquote, has good ball skills until about the, the one-yard line, then he'll drop the ball. But uh, I, I just... I don't know. I'm not too fond of it. I guess if Fangio knows something that we don't, I guess he's got to show it on the field before I can get behind it. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. I mean, he hasn't really proved anything to us. I think there's stuff, some, you know, things behind the scenes that maybe we've seen. I think he's going to bring special teams value as well. And the Bears got him cheaper because they released him. They brought him back on a new deal that's a little bit more friendly. So all these things combined, you know, even though he's my least favorite, um, it's not a bad thing really because out of all these re-signings, I think I agreed with pretty much all of them. So for him to be a least favorite really isn't as much of a knock on him as much as, you know, Marcus Cooper could be the butt end of any joke. It's more of, that's the bottom end of a pretty decent re-signing class. I think the Bears have put together over the last week. But guys, uh, Nick, I want to go to you because you know me and my affection for punters. Are you as surprised as I am that O'Donnell only can get a one-year deal from Ryan Pace this time around? Yeah, because I remember when they were looking at going for the Cincinnati punter, I think it's uh, Kevin Huber. Um, that just came out of nowhere. I thought uh, Pat O'Donnell had a pretty decent season. I think that just goes to show that maybe the Bears in particular are looking for something different in their punters because, again, it, he didn't have a bad season. He threw a touchdown, um, and I thought he had you know a pretty good average uh, net on his punts. So um, for a one-year deal, I mean, they were looking for at other punters, so I guess it makes sense. It's, one again, one of those one-year prove-it deals that Pace loves to dish out. So 
Paddle Donald needs to improve. He obviously needs to improve in some aspects of his game. Maybe throws two touchdowns, you know. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, Paddle Donald, yeah, um, he's on a prove-it year. We'll see what he can do with that. Uh, But I thought he had a decent season in 2017. Yeah, and he had a hell of a workload. He punted the seventh most times out of every punter last year because the Bears, you know, they were the three and out machine on offense, and he out punted everyone who had more punts than him besides only two. Um, you talked about the net that was a little down that ranked about 24th in the NFL, but is that more on him as a punter? Is that more on the coverage unit? A mix of both? Is he out kicking his coverage? Those sorts of things are things you would have to go back and kind of rewatch the tape, but I'm sorry. I wasn't going to go back and kind of track all of his punts for the sake of this two-minute <laughs> argument here. But no, I thought if Cody Parkey got a long deal, why not O'Donnell? I thought he's a decent enough punter. I'm not really fond of a lot of turnover at you know well, any position, really, but especially those at special teams. But okay, I'm glad he's back. Uh, B, do you have anything else to add here, or do you want to move on to the next topic? No. I mean, like Nick said, uh, we were... I think we were all kind of surprised that they were bringing in Kevin Huber to at least try him out or work something out or something. It was just really weird because, like we said, we all thought that O'Donnell had a pretty good year, and he was my favorite to come back because continuity with these positions, like you said, are, are very important, just special teams in general. Yeah, no doubt about it. And another special teamer, real fast while we're on it, uh, Patrick Scales. Um, I'm surprised he came back. He tore his ACL last preseason, for those that may have forgotten. I know they're maybe looking at bringing in a rookie or two uh, into training camp forward that position as well. Are you guys surprised that he brought back Scales? Do you anticipate them bringing another body to camp to kind of challenge him a little bit? I think it'd be kind of silly to bring in just Scales and nobody else, right, Nick? No, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, it's weird. The Bears have uh, position battles at kicker last season, you know, the offseason now at long snapper, all these special teams things that you don't think are ever going to be, uh, you know, happening during the season. But I, I expect them to bring somebody. I mean, coming off that significant injury, you don't know how people are going to respond to that. But uh, they did bring him back for a reason. I think they're, the Bears are confident that he can do what he does, and that's long snap that football. Exactly. And a good thing about the ACL, he's not a skill position player. So it doesn't mean that burst. I mean, on coverage during punts, of course, a little bit, but in terms of, you know, he's not going to be out there asked to run routes or cover guys. So (laughs) we'll be okay uh, with his ACL recovery. I'm, I'm sure of it. Again, they must know his recovery is going fine to sign him back to a one-year deal. Um, But I want to go over to Daniel Brown real quick. I want to know, Nick, uh, I'm going to go back to you. Sorry, Brandon, that I'm ignoring you, but I know Nick's very high on Daniel Brown. How do you see him kind of fitting in the equation in this very crowded tight end room that has Trey Burton, Adam Shaheen, Deion Sims, Brown, of course, Ben Bronecker, and, of course, another guy, Colin Thompson? Yeah, see, I like Daniel Brown. I think that um, he has the ability to be a, a decent tight end, but will he ever get on the field is the question. You, I mean, we have already three starting tight ends who are getting, you know, uh, obviously you have Adam Shaheen, last year's second-round pick. Deion Sims, who's getting paid decent money to block. And then you have Trey Burton, who's getting paid a lot of money to catch. Daniel Brown, uh, I mean, I think ideally he would be, again, a U tight end, one that's receiving more of the receiving tight end, not the blocking uh, kind. But he, he's going to contribute on special teams. I don't know if he's going to have time to actually get on the field unless it's on the special teams or if someone actually gets injured, which we hope that's not the case. But yeah, Daniel Brown's a guy I've always liked. He hasn't gotten enough opportunities. And now I don't think he definitely is going to get that with Trey Burton now coming into this team uh, for this season. I'll challenge that a little bit, but before I do, I just want to say, do you know why I like you? It's because we think alike. I have here under Daniel Brown, he's going to be the backup U tight end because he's that tight end. He has a wide receiver experience in college. He's the guy who can line up in the slot, take advantage of the matchup, right? If it's a linebacker, he can beat him with speed. If it's a nickel corner, he can beat him with the size. This dude's 6'5", nearly 250, and he can run a 4'5", 240. 
I mean, he has the intangibles that you want to see. And uh, Coach Nagy mentioned, like, he does not foresee any issue whatsoever about getting these tight ends involved, getting them on the field. He mentioned they're going to see a lot of 13 personnel, one running back, three tight ends. So I anticipate Daniel Brown having a decent role. Look at his uh, numbers. I don't have them in front of me, but I think he averaged, like, what, like 20-ish catches last season? If he does that again, He's a, and I think like out of those 20, a good portion were for first downs, like 15 or so. If you can do that, pick up, you know, move the six out of 15 out of 20 catches again, that's a successful season for a guy who's like fourth on your tight end, you know, kind of depth here, maybe even fifth. We'll see how it all kind of plays out. But Brandon, anything else you want to mention about the tight end? Or I can give you John Timu, your choice. Uh, just real quick on Daniel Brown. He's almost kind of taken the Trey Burton route. Uh, Got to play on special teams to kind of earn your spot and wait to work up the depth chart. And I, he'll, he'll get there eventually. I just weird to see those similarities. Yeah, no, good. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Good call there, right? A guy who's came in undrafted, a guy who's had to kind of earn his way up the pecking order a little bit here in Chicago. And when he's played, I, we griped about it during the postgame show last season a couple times like why is Daniel Brown out there not Adam Shaheen and then when you look back at it like well Brown was pretty effective and Shaheen kind of got lost when he was on the field a little bit wasn't being involved and it makes a lot of sense it really does and I expect you know Brown to just continue to make more and the most of those opportunities uh, when he gets them here under Coach Nagy's system but I want to transition over to the defense we have Timo returning I think we know what we're going to get out of him right a quality backup at inside linebacker someone where if injuries happen he can step in and the defense won't suffer too much. I mean, they're not going to be at the same level, but he's still really, he's quality. He's been here since he's been undrafted as well. He's a guy that's kind of stuck around. So for me, finding any guy who can stick around, of course, is a plus. But I want to just ask, uh, I'll ask Brandon here, how big is a, of a need is inside linebacker still, even with Timu returning? Uh, I'd still have it as a top three need. Uh, I mean, just the depth really is what's important here. Uh, the Bears still haven't, released Drell Freeman like I would have anticipated they would have at this point although we did talk about it Brad Biggs uh said or he wrote something about uh his contract issue uh with being released but I I still have inside linebackers a top three because I anticipate Drell Freeman getting uh released so I still think that that's something they have to attack in the draft even with John Timo on the roster yeah, I absolutely agree. I have it under like a moderate need. I wouldn't say severe just yet, but I think it's definitely a need on this Bears defense. Nick, do you agree? Oh, yeah, it's definitely a need. I mean, you have Trevathan Kwiatkowski. Both those guys have shown that they can be a little injury prone. Um, so if one of those guys go down, you have obviously Timu coming in. That's not the same level of plays you're going to have with uh, Trevathan and Kwiatkowski in there. So definitely the Bears will address that probably in the, obviously in the draft. But yeah, um, definitely a need. Yeah, no doubt about it. And real quick, before we move on, when I look at all these re-signings, I'm personally pleased overall because the fact that we're starting to retain players despite the coaching change really is a good sign. It's a sign that we have some good quality talent on this Bears roster because in many ways, all of these guys may see the field you know, more on special teams, like we mentioned, than he will in offense and defense. And I know special teams coach Chris Tabor, you know, he's going to have uh, find some way to use them and use that talent. 
But my overarching theme that I want to get to is just continuity is key. We haven't really had a lot of that as of late, especially in the back end of this roster. You know, we've always had different players each and every year learning these new names, how they're going to fit. But that's changing. You know, even though these players might not be like the biggest of names, I think it should really excite Bears fans that they believe in the talent that's already in-house and no longer really need to shuffle the vast amounts of players in and out every offseason. Retain guys, keep them in the system, keep them in your culture. You don't have to start over from scratch each year. That's huge. I don't even know if I can put like a value or a word about how big that is. It really is priceless. And to have that now where, again, last year you're picking up everyone on the back end of the roster and free agency. It's not happening anymore. Things are changing. That's a good thing. Ryan Pace is building a quality roster from the bottom up. All right, I want to add to that real quick, Go too, ahead. though. Uh, how many games were the Bears in under John Fox where it was just a touchdown or less? I mean, uh, we counted them at count? one point. It was it was a high number, so like the pieces are there. There were a lot of times where they were still in games, so I think that the pieces are there. It just had to be a coaching upgrade, which we all got. So Yeah. Nick, any final thoughts on these re-signings? No, I mean, you, you said, I mean, continuity is key. And like you said, every single uh, offseason, we're like, all right, let's look up these new names that are on this roster now so we can get you know used to them. Now, okay, we're going to see that roster. And we're like, all right, you were here for a couple of years. You were here. You know, now it's building up. And like you said, Brandon, the Bears were in so many games. And even even though John Fox and that coach staff didn't get the best out of these Bears, they still, at times, were competitive. There was a couple of blowouts, obviously. But, again, you have added some better coaching, which they did with Nagy, some more playmakers, which they did in this free agency, and continue to retain your current players, that it's only going to equate to good things to happen. No doubt about it. All right, guys, let's move along to our next topic, and that being those sweet orange jerseys. You know, I admittedly am a fan of them, and just thinking about those jerseys like reminds me of a few great games from that Lovey Smith era, you know, like the blustering game against the 49ers with the wind being so strong, the ball's just flying all over the field. Plus, that's the game where uh, Nathan Vasher had his then NFL record 108-yard return off a missed field goal with Brian Urlacher dishing out blocks along the way. Just fond memories I have as, you know, being a Bears fan. And it started earlier this week when Akeem Hicks took to Twitter advocating for them to make a comeback. He, sh- he shared a petition for Bears fans to sign. And then he quoted a picture of Brian Urlacher or Spice Adams and Matt Tuina, uh, just saying like, how much fun does it look like these guys were having in those orange jerseys? And boom, just like Magic, it was announced yesterday that those orange jerseys will be making a comeback as the team's third jersey. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm going to miss the Monsters of the Midway throwbacks, but I'm excited to see these orange jerseys return as well. But I want to know, are you guys as excited? Or do you guys, would you rather have those other Monsters of the Midway throwbacks? And Nick's pointing up at his orange jersey. So I'm going to go to Brandon first. <laughs> no, I'm really looking forward to the orange jerseys. Like you said, it's was one that uh, the Lovey Smith era. Uh, there's just a lot of fun being had in that era, and it was just a lot of nostalgia to see that jersey look like on Sundays and be like, you know, I these are the jerseys that I want to see. These this is going to be a good day, and especially for us growing up, that's the really only alternate that we've seen outside of the 1940s throwback to what what it is today. Uh, but I'm looking forward to the orange just because it was something that you know always watched as a kid growing up. They were wearing the orange jerseys, so I'm looking forward to it. Honestly, yeah, everyone's talking like, oh, you know, these are the 1930s throwbacks. I think in some ways it's an homage to the early 2000s with Levy Smith. It's a throwback to that era as well, because like you said, B, that was in our lifetime, the most fun time we had as Bears fans watching this Bears team, watching that dominant defense week in, week out. And just for me, there are so many special games that were won in those orange jerseys. And Nick, you have some stats on those, don't you? Yeah, so I mean, not the orange jerseys. I have the ones with the uh, 1940s throwbacks. Ooh. Since they, yeah, since they wore them, uh, they first introduced them in 2010, and they were nine and five in them since that time. Um, they were three and zero against the Vikings in that jersey, one and one against the uh, the Lions. But in this 1940s throwback, which I have Leonard Floyd of, 
They were one and three against the Packers and then four and one against every other team that they played the Panthers, Ravens, Bucks, lost to the 49ers and Steelers. So the Bears are, you know, did fairly well in those 1940s throwbacks. And actually, uh, I mean, I have, I have an orange Hester jersey. I do. And I think they're great jerseys, but I'm really going to miss the throwbacks. I think I would put those, the throwbacks, the 1940 throwbacks over the orange jerseys, but I'm going to be excited to see them. It's going to be different. Hopefully, it brings back maybe those winning ways, like you guys talked about in that Levy, uh, Levy Smith coaching era. So hopefully that that brings that back because the Bears one and three record against the Packers, and we know how they've been against the Packers like for the last couple of years. Hopefully, you know, new change in the, the whole culture, new jerseys brings up new winning ways. I mean, that's where to me it's all that, right? We're changing the attitude of this team. We're changing the era, and to do that, you have to make changes like this. I, I mean, there are small things, right? It's a piece, of, it's a piece of cloth, but it just, it just does things with the mindset of this team. Like you put it on the old jersey, and it reminds team or players who've been on former teams of former seasons. You put on this sweet new orange jersey, they don't know where the, you know, what to think about it, other than what they've seen from Brian Urlacher, Lance Briggs, Charles Tillman, Devin Hester, those era, those guys, and so for me. That's exciting. I think it's going to make them play with a little bit more of an attitude. And this being the year that Brian Urlacher is making it to the Hall of Fame, to me, that makes a lot of sense, really, in more ways than one. And just to share where Bears fans across the globe are thinking over on our Twitter poll that I did a couple days ago or yesterday. This whole week's been kind of mulling together. Um, but uh, 78% of Bears fans, they give it a yes that they like these orange jerseys, that they're in favor of them making a comeback. Where only 22% have given it a no. All right. So, and real quick too, I know there's plenty of you here in the chat. Uh, make sure you have your voices heard on these jerseys. I know, I know Bears fans either love them or hate them. So let your voice heard. That's why you're here to chat. And uh, I always look back at what you guys are doing. I know like you guys like talk about Brandon looking like Adam Sandler, uh, you know, Nick being the diva. And apparently there's an affection for my beard, which I never knew existed. So I kind of feel like Kyle Orton in a way, which I don't know how I feel about feeling like a Purdue quarterback. That's not named Drew Brees, but it's okay. But I want to move right along because, again, I don't want to waste too much time on the show talking about you know, some fiber, uh, some jerseys. I mean, it's really cool stuff, but I want to get here talking about a little bit more of the game of football. And I want to go ahead here, take a moment, take a step back. I want to look at the rest of the NFC North and see what they've been up to this offseason. Who's gotten better? Who's gotten worse? We know our Bears have gotten better, but let's take a look around. And I want to know, Brandon, I'll let you begin. Besides our Bears, what team, in your opinion, has actually improved? I think the Vikings did, uh, most notably. The signing of Kirk Cousins was big. Uh, I mean, they had three solid quarterbacks uh, before, and then they released all of them. And they got Kirk Cousins, who is a top-tier quarterback in the league, and I think uh, that's what kind of elevates uh, teams. So I think that the Vikings are definitely one team that got better. Nick, do you agree? Oh, yeah, and they also got Sheldon Richardson on that defense. Yes, so now that defense, which was already top five last season, just got even better. You had Kirk Cousins into the mix. Uh, Case Keenum had a great season last season. But now you had Kirk Cousins, who's been having great seasons on, you know, Washington teams that were not very good. So a Redskins team. So it, it just makes that Vikings team that much better. And it's going to be a formidable foe for the Bears to, you know, obviously play two times a year. No, no doubt about it. I have them as a team that's improved as well. Same exact reasons you guys bring, but I want to mention, I think this is, I mean, it's a fine move for now. If they want to win now, this is great. It's going to help them out in the short term, but how much money they're paying cousins, which they could have saved money and stuck with Keenum for a couple more seasons. It's really going to hurt them in the long term when they have some guys coming up like Kendricks for a contract, some other players coming up for these contracts, and they're not going to have the money to resign everybody. So they're going to start losing some of their top talent on both sides of the ball. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think their window got shorter due to that move. I think they got better right now. But in the long run, I think it opens up maybe the window for the Bears where, you know, we're not 
not anticipating a Super Bowl run here, but when you're looking two, three years down the road where the Vikings are going to start losing some guys, I think that's where the Bears can really start making a presence felt and not just the North, but the entire NFC as well. Uh, guys, anyone else get better? I don't have anyone else getting better. Uh, one aspect of Detroit got better with the signing of LeGarrette Blunt in the backfield. But other than that, like I don't think the team improved with that signing. See, exactly. I mean, they have a running back, but he's not, to me, Blunt, he's someone where he needs a complimentary back, which I think they still have Theo Riddick, um, so maybe that would be the guy, but I don't know. I don't, I don't even think that really makes their team that much better. I know yeah. they're going to have some new stuff with Matt Patricia, but they just abandon a run, seems like, every year, right? Well, you know, didn't the scouts leave when we were watching the running back drills? They did. I forgot about that, too. So they're not even looking at running backs in this draft. So, okay. Okay. Nick, anything else you want to add? Do you want to talk about someone who you think has gotten worse? Oh, I think the Packers actually got worse. Um, When you lose Jordy Nelson, and then they signed, uh, they obviously signed Jimmy Graham. Older tight end, though. He's in his 30s. And obviously, with Aaron Rodgers, you think that would be a great, you know, aspect where Jimmy Graham, he's had a lot of touchdowns in his career. I think he's second in the league still behind Rob Gronkowski with the most touchdown catches um, so far since I think he entered the league in 2010, whatever it was. But he, they did bring in some older guys in free agency. But if you lose a guy like Jordan Nelson, who's been such a consistent player for the Packers over you know the course of his career, I don't know how much better you get. And then you're relying on these older free agents to hopefully come in and be you know key contributors, I would say. I don't think that's a good uh, chemistry or good mixture to, you know, make good things happen. So I'm going to say out of the, you know, the entire NFC North, I think the Packers got a little worse. Yeah. Again, like Jimmy Graham, fine. I think him and Rogers will do, you know, what, the, what Rogers likes to do. He always seems to click with whoever's really on the field. That's fine. Um, but yeah, Jimmy Graham, someone who did really good things in, you know, with, uh, New Orleans with the saints, but then Seahawks, it was kind of a mixed bag depending on the week, depending on the year really. So yeah, green Bay's one, I think took a dip. I mean, what, they don't have a starting number one corner. They lost Jordy Nelson who always had our numbers so that we don't have to worry about him anymore. So Again, just some small things. Right now, I think my biggest question will be, who do we have on our defense to kind of match up with Jimmy Graham? Um, we'll, we'll talk about that as we get closer to the season, but this is a question we should keep in mind, no doubt about it. And then the Lions, you know, Brandon, you mentioned Blunt coming here. That's good, but they lost two tight ends. They lost Eric Gibran, they lost Darren Felves. And other than that, I think it's pretty much the same teams besides maybe a couple switches at linebacker. When I was doing my research, a few times I came across the key signing being Christian Jones, which... Christian Jones, solid player. I wish he was still here in Chicago personally uh, with his versatility. But if he's your key signing on defense, that just kind of shows you uh, what kind of state that the Detroit Lions are in. But guys, any other key pickups or losses for any of these teams that we should keep in mind? Nick, I'll go back to you. You know, I'm going to go with the Lions and LeGarrette Blunt. I know he's not your your typical three-down back, but with Matt Patricia there, obviously coming from New England, they're familiar with that system of having three running backs carry the load for your offense. And they do have Amir Abdullah and Theo Riddick, and then you have Blunt. So maybe that can actually be a good thing for the Detroit Lions running game, which I, you know, honestly, that's a pretty bold statement because they haven't had a running game. In God knows how long, but it could work because Matt Patricia has knows what that system is like. Can maybe, you know, tell, uh, was it Jim Bob Cooter? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Jim Bob Cooter, like, Hey, this is how we did in new England. It obviously works. You have three different types of backs. Maybe that equates to a good running game, but yeah, I think the Lions and blunt, maybe that, you know, does some good things for them. Sure. What about you, B? Anyone else around the division that you want to mention that we haven't? Yeah, the Vikings are uh, trying to bolster the big quarterback that they just paid Kirk Cousins, and they also acquired Trevor Simeon, fun fact. Uh, but they, the Vikings signed for their offensive line Tom Compton, Josh Andrews, who was with the Eagles. We know that Tom Compton was with the Bears last year. 
uh, Josh Andrews from the Eagles, and they signed Storm Norton to a futures reserves deal. So they're they're stocking up trying to keep the quarterbacks upright, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, no, exactly. And other than that, maybe Green Bay, you have Muhammad Wilkerson. But for me, he's someone where, you know, a lot of Bears fans want to hear him here in Chicago. I just don't know if I buy his work ethic, how he kind of fell apart there in New York. Again, sometimes a change of scenery is all a guy needs, but we'll see exactly what he can do in uh, Green Bay uh, for our sake. Hopefully not too much, but uh, for them, of course, they're looking at it. But guys, I want to know, in your opinion, like how much ground did the Bears gain? Are there any aspects that you think they gained the most ground? Uh, it's like I'm kind of keeping this open uh, on purpose to let you guys. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. And take this wherever you want. But uh, Nick, I'll go to you first. Yeah, so I think the, the Bears gain ground and being able to keep up with these teams scoring-wise. That that was a big thing with the Bears. A lot of these teams, I mean, obviously Minnesota got a lot better last season in terms of scoring. Green Bay is always going to be up there because of Aaron Rodgers. And then you have Matthew Stafford. But with the free agents the Bears brought in, I think, and obviously a new system, I think the Bears can now keep up with these teams because a lot of times the defenses, you know, there's times where a defense can win you games and there's times where, it, the, the opposing offense just has a defense's number and you need to rely on offense to win. Well, now the Bears have what should be a pretty potent offense, someone that can keep up. Can All right, you guys, the Green Bay just scored. We, we'll go get a score right now with Trubisky and, and, you know, and company. So I think in the aspect of their offense, now they can keep up with the NFC North in terms of scoring. And now we'll see who has a better defense. And uh, obviously the Vikings have a great one, but the Bears are probably second there. So in terms of scoring, the Bears are right there within, you know, that division. Yeah, I mean, the gap's closing, especially with, you know, the Bears already being sound on defense, bolstering this offense. And just to put this in a little bit of perspective, half of last season's division losses uh, were by one score or less. Kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with pretty much the majority of the John Fox era. And you just have to feel like with the offensive firepower now, the Bears have what it takes to kind of flip that outcome. And just looking at Green Bay, one player that I want to mention about departure that I think should not go unnoticed, and that's Jairi Evans, uh, the right guard for the Packers. He was someone who last year always seemed to give Akeem Hicks some fits, always have Hicks's number. And we know Hicks, he's a, you know, a really decent interior defender. But every time he went up against Jairi Evans, he struggled a little bit. I mean, Evans, he's a very good offensive lineman, a really strong offensive guard. But right now with his departure, you better believe that Akeem Hicks is kind of grinning. And again, I just want to say it, the gap is closing. The Bears are inching their way, closing the gap against the other rivals here in the north. What about you, B? Ryan Pace talked about continuity in the backfield uh, on defense uh, corner safeties uh, in his press conference uh, today down there in Orlando or yesterday. Uh and I think that really, like at the end of the year when we were comparing the Bears in the division where they fell statistically or production-wise, whatever, who was best where, uh, we all had the Bears and Vikings at one and two sort of flip-flopped with that defensive backfield. And now re-signing Prince Mukumara and Kyle Fuller really keeps the Bears secondary at that level, especially now with a division full of top-tier quarterbacks with Kirk Cousins, the Chief Slinger in Wisconsin, and Matt Stafford. So I think that those signings are all of a sudden going to become like way, way more important, especially once we get closer to the season division time rolls around. Nick, what's that phase for? Oh, nothing. I'd rather not bring it up because I'm just, I'm just watching the chat, seeing what everyone's saying. Uh, I'll, I'll let you guys know after the show. How about that? 
Oh, interesting. All right. So anyway, let's, uh, with that, let's go ahead and begin our final segment of the show. And I want to focus on the draft. You know, it's about a month away. And, you know, just be prepared for opinions to kind of shift all over the place as it does each and every year. And with another top 10 pick, I think the Bears are really in a good spot to really bolster that roster. So guys, I want to know your current top three guys for the Bears to pick with that eighth overall pick. And I want you to go ahead and briefly explain why. And Brandon, I know you just were probably winded by that, but go ahead. Well... I was, but I'll go ahead and start. Uh, Quentin Nelson is going to be my top guy uh, because he's a stud. Uh, he's going to be a quick replacement for Josh Sitton. He's familiar with Harry Highstand, the offensive line coach. And I want to continue to upgrade the offensive line wherever it's possible. I'm not necessarily sure that Quentin Nelson falls to eight. I kind of hope that he does. So if he's there, I hope the Bears take advantage of it. Uh, but I don't see him falling to eight, unfortunately. But that's a guy that I would be very pleased if Ryan Pace took. Uh, my second guy is going to be Tremaine Edmonds because he's young. He's a great athlete. He plays well on the open field, and he's consistent. He had 106 tackles in his sophomore year, and then the following year, last year, he had 109 tackles. And that productivity can be seen almost right away, regardless where you plug him in uh, in the system on defense. So that's those are my top two guys. And then I have Roquan Smith, which might be a guy that you want to talk about, but uh, you sold me in your mock draft. Thank you. Uh, because you brought up that neither uh, Danny Trevathan or Nick Kwiatkowski can really, you know, really be looked at as long-term reliable options. And so here's a guy who can potentially fill that role as a long-term option. So that was really my my main selling point for him. Okay. Uh, Nick, go ahead. So this is top three, not in any order, because I think I'm going to be coming out with a mock draft pretty soon. Don't know when, but uh, I have Tremaine Edmonds uh, right now. I think this is a guy you plug in. Whether the Bears really want to experiment with him being an outside linebacker or inside where he primarily is played at, he's only 19 years old, and there's a lot that he can do and develop and be whatever the Bears envision him to be if they were to select him with the number eight overall pick. Then another guy that I really like, Mika Fitzpatrick uh, from Alabama, a guy that you plug in, he he really can play any of those uh, secondary positions, whether if he wants to play corner, he's definitely capable of it. He won't do that if he gets on the Bears. He could definitely just be roaming around as that nickel, or you know, he can also play safety. This is a guy who's very versatile, very great sound player, and the Bears would definitely improve, especially in a division where you have now uh, Aaron Rodgers, Stafford, and then Kirk Cousins throwing the ball. You're going to need some great DBs. Putting Fitzpatrick there, that's a guy that can definitely help out the defense. And then Quinn Nelson, I, I, I've I, said that he's not a guy that maybe I would pick at eight, but he's such a great player. He's going to improve. He's going to be a starter. He's going to solidify that spot for years down the road. You can't pass up on that guy if he does fall to you, especially if that's your guy, that's your number one guy, Pace will get him. So even though he's not the guy I would personally pick, still, he would be a great player for this uh, for this Bears team. You know, I put four guys down because I knew we we're going to have some overlapping guys and every, every single right. one of them you hit. So it's it's hilarious. But I'll I'll try to bring a little bit something different to the table with everyone. That way we don't really repeat ourselves. Uh, Quentin Nelson, of course, uh, we mentioned he's going to be that guy. He can be the anchor at guard for a long time. And Pace mentioned it like we talked about at the top of the show, uh, just how much value there is on having guys in-house, guys you draft and not overspending in free agency. Quentin Nelson, you really can't argue with the value of the pick. I know sometimes people think you're reaching for a guard in the top 10, but if he's a guy who can be a perennial pro bowler, a future all pro, um, I, and he's the best guy on the board, you have to go ahead and go get him. Number two, I have Roquan Smith, uh, just like I had the Bears taking him in my mock draft. Um, honestly, when you just watch the tape, you just fall in love with the speed, his instincts, because the two combined create a very special player. You know, he didn't, you know, he can play inside. And I know that's not the largest need at the moment, but Brandon, you kind of took it from me already, but Kukowski, Trevathan, you can't count on them. They missed too many games. Uh, Trevathan's fine, but he's 
very much injury prone. Kwiatkowski, he's solid, but I don't know um, in a very pass happy league if he's the best coverage linebacker we can have out there on the field. And when you're looking for an NFL ready, a player who you don't need to worry about, someone who's low risk, high reward, you're looking at Roquan Smith. He's a safe bet for the long term. And I really love you know, he can do everything. He can make the tackles from sideline to sideline. He knows how to take those perfect angles. He knows how to pursue the bound the ball carrier, uh, shed blocks, sift right through them. I love it. But what stands out above the rest is his coverage. You know, like we talked about, NFL, pass happy league. And if you can grab a sudden coverage who can take away the middle of the field, you know what happens. We had that with Brian Urlacher. That's huge. And Smith, he can cover man to man. He can shut down plays in front of the zone and the zone in front of him. And on top of that, he can really impact plays behind him in those deeper zones as routes are developing um, right behind him. So for all those combined in the league that we have to contend with a Matt Stafford now, a Kirk Cousins now, and Aaron Rodgers like every single year, I think someone like Roquan Smith in the middle of the field would be a boost to this Bears defense. Uh, number three, I have two. I have three A, three B. Tremaine Edmonds, we talked about him. He has a ton of potential. He's 19. Um, to me, I think he's still a very risky pick. Um, someone who you have to wonder how he's going to develop. He has the potential, but will he? I mean, my thing is about Edmonds and Smith is that Edmonds has to catch up to Roquan Smith. And even then, Smith might have a better career. So do you want to take a chance on Edmonds when you can get Smith, who you don't have to really worry about? That's why I lean towards Smith. And then Minka Fitzpatrick, like you said, Nick, he's someone who can play safety. He can play nickel corner. And on top of that, if something happened to like Amos or Jackson, you can move him back. If they're still healthy, I think he's an upgrade over Bryce Callahan. As much as we all love to watch Bryce Callahan play, he's a upgrade in many ways. And he, he's someone who is a former teammate of Eddie Jackson. I'm sure those two would like to have some more chemistry in the Bears uh, you know, backfield in that secondary. So for me, those are my, well, four guys, even though I said three. But uh yeah. All right, guys, one final thing we have to do today, and that's going to share our current approval rating. Well, a grade for Ryan Pace. And before we go around the horn, I just want to mention that I ran a poll on Twitter that had nearly about a thousand votes. And the results are 44% of Bears fans gave him an A, 47% gave him a B, and 7% gave him a C, and 2% gave him a D. So Ryan Pace is definitely gaining favor with the Bears fans around the world. But Brandon, over to you. What's your approval rating or approval grade for Ryan Pace? I'll give him B plus A minus ish in that range. I mean, there's a couple picks that like we didn't really need Josh Bellamy back. Uh, you know, this year, if we're just speaking this year, but over the long term, I mean, he's kind of missed on free agents. That's where I would more fall into a B plus. But this year specifically, I'm gonna give him an A minus. All right. What about you, Nick? That's interesting. I mean, he got Allen Robinson, he got Trey Burton, he got guys that are and uh Gabriel, guys that are going to make Trubisky a lot better on this offense. So um, he got his top guys. So I have to give him an A for that. We'll see how it works out because I'm pretty sure we were happy with, you know, past free agent class, maybe not last year's as much, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, these guys should be able to produce a good amount of points and, you know, do great things in this offense. Hopefully that happens. But right now I have to give him an A. Okay. Yeah. I give him an A2 for this off season in general, but looking at his entire three years, I'm going to give it like the B B plus range. Um, again, right now he's getting that young ascending talent. He's bringing in the coaches to take this team to new heights, especially that really fun, aggressive, cutting edge head coach and Matt Nagy. You know, we need to see how it all kind of comes together, how it all pans out, but the potential is certainly there, but on top of last year's free agency class, again, I'm really not even going to hold that too much against him. He could have probably made some smarter moves, but that's a hard sell. Jay Cutler walking out the door, no one under center. John Fox, everyone's presuming he's entering his final year of his contract, so the player coming in doesn't even know who's head coach could be in a year. 
it's just, it's a lot, very hard sell. So I don't know how he could have brought in top talent. And honestly, I'm glad he waited. He got the guys that are really going to take this team uh, on this next chapter here in Chicago. So for me, I'm very excited about that. But on top of that, I just want to say that it's just a lot of fun. Brian Pace is a lot of fun to have as a GM. He's just bringing in uh, fun guys, fun personalities, guys like Taylor Gabriel. Uh, he says he's a lot like Tariq Cohen. So I can't wait to see what kind of relationship those two build over the years. But the Bears are a young ascending team. And when Brian Pace inherited this team, it was an old declining team. So we're a complete 180. It took three years. Brandon, you said it three years ago. Patience. Patience. I th even think you said it could take three to five years. And I think being at three, we're feeling pretty good, right? Oh, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, exactly. So fingers crossed that it all comes to fruition. All right, guys, that's all I have here on the docket. Anything you want to mention? Any final thoughts on the show before we sign off? You know, uh, the Bears just came out with a new uh, promo for the orange jerseys. I think everyone should go check that out on their Twitter page. It's really cool. It's got orange and all of, like these highlights, Hester's in it. They got an orange peel. Uh, so, I mean, it's great. You guys got to go check that out. I'll be doing that right after we sign off. So B, you better keep it short. Yep, we can sign it off. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed the show. I just want to thank everybody who showed up to the live recording and that partook in our chat. You know, it's been fun watching that become more and more active with each passing week. And if you're listening to our podcast and you want to get in on the chat, then make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel because that's where the party's at, people. And yes, to all of our podcast listeners, a thousand of you, not just in this country, but across the entire globe, you know, no matter where you are or how you listen, we absolutely appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us. It's been so much fun talking from, you know, again, just Bears fans from all over. When I get emails from people from like Brazil, uh, New Zealand, it's just insane. When I started this podcast, I never even knew people outside my family were going to listen to it. So just having people across the country and across the world listening, it's just, it's huge. It really is. So just Thank you for making us a part of your life. It really does mean the world to all of us. But we're going to be back soon. Of course, if any major news breaks, we'll be back even sooner. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.